Hi, this is George Thorgood. Hey, this is Pat Travers. Hey, this is Steve Lukather of Toto. Hi, y'all. This is Charlie Daniels, and you're listening to Jimmy Warren. Hey everybody, Jimmy Warren here. Thanks for tuning in to Guitar Talk today. We're so glad that you're with us. Hey, just before I get into this, I want you to know that this interview is available in video form at YouTube. Um, Guitar uh, Talk with Jimmy Warren on YouTube. You can just go there or you can go to the website, uh, Guitar Talk Official. Uh, Go to the show and the link for YouTube is right there and you can just go to it. And that way, if you want to see uh, Jared, if you want to see him play, if you want to see his new guitar and that, uh, you'll be able to do that. So it's pretty cool. We wanted to be able to offer both, you know, the audio and the video. So there we go. So Jared is my guest today. He had a brand new Gold Top release yesterday from Epiphone, the Jared James Nichols uh, signature model with the P90. The difference between Gold Glory, the new Gold Top, and Old Glory, the uh, the black finished uh, Epiphone Les Paul, is in the wiring harness in the pots. Uh, that's really the only difference. The specs are pretty much the same between the two. The gold guitar looks gorgeous, of course, just what you expect, and it sounds amazing. And he actually plays it a little bit, you know, in this interview, so you're going to dig that. So I'm not going to chat no more. Oh, also, too, just so you know, he's got a brand new uh, single out as well called uh, Throw Me to the Wolves. And you want to make sure that you're checking that out, too. And I know he's in the studio about to release some more stuff. So, you know, you want to stay posted. So without any more of me rattling off in my mouth, here we go. Jared James Nichols on Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. Hello. How you doing, buddy? Bro, can you hear me okay? I can hear you just great, man. Awesome. Look at that guitar room. Ah, well. (laughs) That's the new one, huh? Yeah, dude. This is Gold Glory. Um, Dude, it's... I'm not going to like say shit. It's a great guitar. It is a fucking great guitar. Yeah. Yeah. They did a great job. Is it the same exact specs of the black one? A few things are different, like electronics. The original one had like the, um, the Epiphone, like Korean pots or whatever it was. This Uh has got like the full blown CTS with the vintage wiring. Oh, cool. And just being straight up that right there, it's got the uh, Duncan USA. I can already tell the difference. Like, I don't know if you can hear the guitar, if it sounds probably sounds like trash on here, but there's, it's so much warmer. There's so much more like cream and oomph to it. Really? And I remember I was talking to like, uh, I was talking to Joe about it and he was like, Vanamasa and he goes, yeah, man. He goes, if you put like just good electronics in those Epiphones, he's like, it'll fucking roll, you know? And uh, so it's awesome. Yeah. Well, it looks great too, man. A gold top. That's really cool. Hey, dude, real quick question. Do you want me to, I put my phone up. Do you want me to record with it? Are you going to be taking video off this or just audio? A video. Okay, cool. Well, what I'll do is I got my phone set up. I'll just record it too. So you have like some, another angle or whatever, if you want. Oh, that'd be cool, man. I'd really appreciate that. Yeah, dude, I I already have it set up. So I'm just going to turn it on and I'll send it to you afterwards. Okay. Okay, cool, man. Well, thanks for doing this. No, man. You know, I, I, I got to tell you, I've almost pulled the trigger on your guitar. I, I can't even tell you how many times. <laughs> I, even, I even almost bought the amp. Really? The Black Star. Yeah, you know what? I, I don't own a Black Star. I own a lot of amps and a lot of guitars, but uh, I, I've never fiddled with the Black Star, but I've heard so many good things and I've seen so many great players play them. Yeah. And yours came out and I started moving to a lot of 20 watt. 25 watt amps you know the boogie Fillmore and the new plexis from marshall and stuff like that but i i i man your tone is so friggin' good thank you i thought well but i know if i buy it if i buy the guitar and i buy the amp i'm still not going to sound like jerry james (laughs) well what's so funny man is like with the black star stuff i think for ages even i felt the same way now i got introduced to black star in like 2011 so it was basically right when they kind of kicked off and i was under the impression it was like a metal amp i thought oh man it's it's like heavy there's these you know a gus g had a signature and they're gonna be you know ripping loud metal you know sounding amps and i remember the first time i plugged into a black star it was the uh, 100 watt series one it was a big ass amp 
but I plugged in and it had a chime to it right away, which I was thinking they were going to be super dark. And I was like, whoa, okay. And I'm, I was playing my Les Paul, just a, a standard with humbuckers. And I found this kind of cool in between ground between like, you know, a really great kind of just dialed up fender tweed but also that whole marshall cutting edge or like you know that searing tone and um yeah when they asked me to do the signature man i was like absolutely so we took a long time to to really finagle with it and to get it to sound the way we wanted it to and yeah. i couldn't be more proud of the damn amp man yeah now what about uh i know we want to talk about your guitar but I got, yeah no worries i got you so i'm gonna ask you uh, the whole 20 watt aspect. I, I I'm a fan of dialing back in, in that, and, you know, rather than hauling around hundred watt amps and the headroom and the whole nine yards in that, I mean, your experience touring, do you tour with it? Correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. All the time. What's your, what's your experience with it? You know, in, you know, in touring and that I would, I don't know is, is on big stages. How's it work for you? So, the first one we released, um, right now today, I have just my combo plugged in. But the first one we released, it was the head with the 212 kind of vertical. Right. And to be completely honest, man, um, I didn't know how it was going to work in the beginning. I thought to myself, is this going to be enough? Like, yeah. is this going to be enough power, enough headroom? Um, I was a little concerned about that. Uh, we were on tour, and we were with LA Guns in England. And they brought the prototype. And I remember I plugged it in at Soundcheck, and I dialed it up. I dialed it. I had it at about two o'clock, um, you know, on this blues power channel. So everything was pretty, pretty punched. And I hit it with a mic on each speaker. Cause it had two different speakers, right? The, uh, the GT 75 and, uh, just a, a simple Celestian greenback. So when I heard it amplified and plugged in, it was so good. I, it had just enough headroom for me, but it just broke up in this way that felt really natural and really organic. It had that thing where, you know, the amp was breathing. Um, on big stages, I've played everywhere from like those big festivals in Germany, like Wacken or like Sweden Rock Festival. And I would just bring the head. I'd put it on like a Marshall. I'd even put it on a Marshall, you know, a, a full stack. Yeah. And man, it held up. I could push that thing. And I'm telling you, I was on the road in 2019 for uh, 308 days straight with that head in like a little um, SKB case with a bunch of other crap, my clothes and everything. Yeah. I beat the hell out of that thing. Yeah. I didn't give any, I didn't care. You know, I was like, I'm going to push this thing. And it stood the test for all of that whole year. And there wasn't one time I was on stage going, man, if I just had a little more, you know what I mean? Because the more I'd push it at 20 Watts, it would just continue to open up and it continued to, to sound bigger and hairier. Right. And uh, I love it quite simply. And, and even, you know, if you're not mic'd up, you know, I I've had situations where it can play with a drummer. It can play with a bass and other guitar. It's right. got just enough room, you know, people shouldn't expect it to, to, howl like a hundred watt but it still has that that chunk on the bottom yeah yeah now the 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 212 vertical cabinet in that did yours have uh because i know the black star cabinets have it so that you can unscrew part of the back so that it can also be an open cabinet too was yours like that or was yours completely closed yes exactly um mine was you were able to to pull it off and that's a really cool feature that I didn't start taking advantage of until farther, you know, down the road. I didn't realize I was like, man, I, I had it as a closed back. And then once I hit it as an open back, I was like, oh, wow, now this thing just, it felt bigger. And yeah. especially when, you, when you're standing next to it and you're against like a wall and you can just move it off the wall a little bit. It yeah. just gives you a whole different kind of breath to the amp, which, which for me was awesome because, you know, I didn't, like I said, I didn't figure that out until about six months in and I was like, oh damn. So then I started running two of them, one yeah. with an open back and then one with a closed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. See, I, I you can probably tell in the back, I've got uh, several 212 vertical cabinets mm -hmm. and, and I wish that I had that option, you know, because I, I could see how it would make a real, I mean, I've had to change the, the speakers in these cabinets because you know they're you know they're not high-end cabinets really you know but uh, uh but having that option would be so cool and i could see how it would open up you know the sound and just make it full as hell yeah and i'm such a simple player really when it comes down to the root of it that um 
when I get that great, like basic tone where I can use my, my volume and tone control and just let it ride. And it's, it's basically like, it's a dirt bike. You know what I mean? It's like when I'm all the way up, that thing's wound up and then I can come back and I can have that articulation. I can have that kind of, um, you know, I mean that clarity that I need for, for playing a little lighter and this amp, and I can say it with full confidence, it can cover all those bases. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now you, when you say you're a simple player, you know, I realize don't you just go from the guitar to the amp and that's it. And every now and then you might have a wah or something like that, but. Yeah, man. Um, well, what I found is the more pedals I have in front of me or the more things between my guitar and my amp, even the more things on my guitar, like, right. man, I just graduated to like a two pickup guitar. I swear to you, a two pickup Les Paul, because <laughs> now I feel like I can utilize it properly. But right. yeah, um, I, I don't use like effects primarily. Uh, what I do use now all the time was a gift, a Klon. I have a Klon Centaur. Yeah, yeah, and nice. uh and what that is to me, though, is that's like having a great rig and then you put that on top of it. It's like having an awesome car and then you put nitrous on it. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, I, I've got a Klon and I had it on my board for a long time. And then as the price started to go up on those suckers, I took it off and I got an Archer. So oh, nice. Yeah, to, awesome. To, to fill it and put it on the shelf. But yeah, it's a great pedal and I can see how you put it in front of it. Now your 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 guitar, if I'm correct, if I and, and correct me if I'm wrong, the, the way that your your pots and your your volume and stuff is set up, I mean it's really sen touch sensitive, isn't it? I mean, absolutely. I think, so are you are you playing pretty much? You have everything up a hundred percent, and you're using the volume on your guitar in order to to control. That's right? That's the way I do it. I'll play just for a second to give you a taste. Hopefully it'll, it'll come through. Okay. You know, the yeah. audio might be what it is, but, um, all the way up, uh, everything up. Here we are. <laughs> and you yeah. even start, to, I don't know if you can tell, but I start to even hear the overtones at this volume with the, the clon. Right. And then, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm volume up, here we are. And then if I back down to maybe about five on my volume, I'll look at it. So I'm actually right on five, you know? <laughs> if I go down to three, hopefully this will transfer. And then, you know, I, I really, I ride that volume knob so much when I'm playing like lick to lick, note to note, because you know, like I always want my guitar to feel like like an extension of of what I want it to sound like, especially playing like blues and rock and stuff. It's yeah. so touch sensitive. And the same goes for my tone knob, you know, because we just got the back tone knob here. Um, if I want to go crazy, obviously the woman tone, everyone knows you just roll that all the way back, right? it up about halfway you can even get almost like a quasi neck pickup sound yeah just gotta find it right you know and then you know obviously all the way up is all the way up you know and what what i prefer is you know to have all of that sound and that um that gain and that structure at my disposal so whatever i'm hearing in my head whatever i'm, I'm feeling like i want to play next yeah. i don't have to click something on or off it's 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 more about the mind body guitar connection yeah now now have you always been a, a guitar to amp guy or were you at any point in time a guy that you know has a variety of pedals Oh man. So like, I remember like I went through a ton of pedals. Okay, I just right. did, you know, like, I think it's kind of a rite of passage though, because you know, every player has got to find what works for them yeah. and you got to go through all that. Cause if I hadn't gone through that, I feel like I would have been doing myself like a disservice. It would have, it would have been like, dude, you didn't even try it. Like you don't even know. Um, so 
I remember when I, I first started, I always was into overdrive pedals, you know, because I knew stacking them and, you know, yeah. you can do so much cool stuff. And then I got into fuzzes and obviously Wawa's. I'm a product of, uh, you know, the classic blues rock guys. So I was like trying out Octavia's, Univibes, all that stuff. And don't get me wrong. I still have, uh, you know, the original Tycho Bray. I have a Univibe. I got a, a really beautiful Isle of Tone, a bunch of different fuzzes and stuff. Yeah. But what I found was when I went on my first real tour, I had a pedal board, right? Yeah. <laughs> Night one, put the pedal board out there, wired it all up. Great. Sounds good. About halfway through the set, all of a sudden, like, I'm hearing a little something scratching. There's a little extra noise. And as you know, man, playing P90s, yeah, bro, you got to hide the buzz sometimes because, right. you know. Right. Um, exactly. So so I, I, I get through this gig, and I'm like, damn, that's kind of scratchy. Something's up with that. Next night, plug it in. The scratch is gone. Okay, cool. Halfway through the set, uh, the Wawa goes out for some reason. You know, I'm clicking the Wawa and, and now when I hit it on, it's dead, you know, and, and then I click it off and I got full signal. All right, well, I'll take the Wawa off. Next night, something else messes up or I step yeah. on something or I spill a beer on it, whatever. <laughs> I, I found by the end of this tour, dude, yeah. I had a cable, my guitar straight into the amp and I was like, I'm just going to make this work. And then I would always try and go back to like pedal boards and I would always try and you know, say, well, what if I did this? What if I did this? But what always ended up happening was I would just go back to the basics. Yeah. And it kind of helps me mentally too when I'm playing because I'm not thinking so much about, you know, there's players that are so much more talented than me that that can do that kind of stuff where it's like, oh, my delay set here, you know, I'm going to hit this and hit this. But for me, it's like when I don't think about that stuff and I just focus on what I'm just trying to get out, yeah. that's that's when I feel like I'm I'm most at peace right well you you probably wouldn't be and I hope you don't mind me using this word you probably wouldn't be as animated as you are as a player and a performer because that's one of the things that draws people in you know to you it, because you'd be more focused on what's going on down on the floor you know worried about I hear so many stories of guys that have gotten away from uh from the pedal boards and stuff you know guys that i never would have thought like uh joel hookstra from white snake you know he goes straight into a freedman amp and that's it you know that's crazy yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i know and you would think you know as big as the sound is and that that you know there would be an array of of toys but there's not and what I find too is like, there's a ton of my friends use fractal stuff or they yeah. use, you know, ax effects and that's awesome. Like it's insane how far technology has come. And, and I don't put that stuff down whatsoever. It's killer. But what I found was, uh, I was talking to a friend and, and he put it the best way. He goes, man, I want to feel the air. Yeah. I want to feel the air of that speaker. And I want to hear those tubes you know, I want to hear them crying and that speaker just pushing it out and feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. You like to feel that air pressure on the back of your legs. You know, that's, that's why I know some guys still use, you know, the 412 cabinets and stuff because they love that. You know, it's like, but a lot of guys go into the Kempers and the fractals and, and things. You know, I mean, I could, I could see it maybe for recording. I don't know, you know, but I don't know. They talk about the simplicity, you know, just, throwing a fractal in a bag and the guitar and just going and that's it, you know? Well, there has been times I've been in the studio and, uh, and I've played through uh, a fractal or a Kemper and um, don't get me wrong. It's awesome. It's, it's, it sounds great, but there's just something like uh, in, I don't know, my DNA is a player that like, it's not like that. I can hear the difference, but I can feel the difference. I can feel yeah. even the weight of the string of the note. You know what I mean? There's yeah. this thing that you get when you're next to an amp and, and you get that, that harmonic to come out and right. start to make this cycle. So whether or not they sound better or different or whatever, I don't know. I'm not the guy to argue that I'm more about the guy that's like, well, I know what it feels like. <laughs> right. Well, you know what? Some of them, some of them, you know, come across, like I, I uh, checked out the quilter amps just to, oh, yeah. just to have a backup so that if you're out and your head goes out or something like that, you have a, you know, a simple, small, lightweight backup in that, uh, mm -hmm. 
And I checked those out and I was surprised how close the tube they actually sound. I mean, it's, you can dial it in to where you can't tell the difference. Well, I must say, uh, uh, I was on tour. We were, I was out with John five and his bass player, he plays through quilters, right? Uh, our bass player had a big old Ampeg SVT (laughs) guys carrying that baby up the stairs. You know what I mean? Yeah. he loved it and he swore by it. That was, <clears throat> that was his amp. And what ended up happening is one night his amp went down during sound check, thankfully. And John's uh, bass player, Ian, he goes, man, I got an extra quilter. Why don't you just plug that in? And, you know, I could see my guy. He was just like, oh man, like this is going to suck. He plugs in the quilter instantly. The thing sounded fat, warm, big. Yeah. The next day we have a day off. Oh, where's a guitar center? He goes and gets rid of his Ampeg and gets a quilter because that's how good that thing sounded. So, man, you you know, looks aren't everything. You know what I mean? Right, right. Well, you know, I, I, I put one in a, they come with a bag and put it in a bag and throw it in a backpack. Yeah. You know, and take it with me. And so that if anything happens, even if I'm playing through a combo, you know, if the amp part goes out, you can disconnect it and plug it into the speaker. And totally back up all the time and the thing weighs like two pounds you know it's only like you know so big it's crazy yeah, yeah. it's 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 almost like um you know we're we're ingrained in our dna like marshall plexis and and even like and less pauls and this this and this and of course we love that stuff but you know you gotta you gotta give credit where credit's due and they are making some insane stuff that yeah. is small, even like the black star stuff I have, I'm like, good God, that's coming out of a combo amp now, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. You know, the technology that we live in and we're able to have at our disposal. Yeah. Well, it, it also goes to say the same thing for, for your guitars. You know what I mean? There's a lot of guys it's Gibson, 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 mm-hmm. you know, you know, if you're thinking, okay, if I'm going to have a Paul, I'm going to have a Gibson, but they don't realize that I look at, I got it. I had a, uh, an ES-335. We got a couple of them and I loved it. One of them I have is a 67 and the other one's a 69. They're, they're beautiful guitars. They play amazing. I was mm-hmm. at a, a music store. This has been a number of years back. I was at a music store and the guy had an Epiphone Sheridan sitting out, mm-hmm. which is the same guitar really. And I picked it up and I played it and I go, wow, this thing sounds just as good and plays just as nice as my, you know, eight thousand dollar you know 335s and this thing's 600 bucks yeah it's it's pretty weird right i mean so i gotta put it out there like i have a few friends joe bonamassa and charlie daughtry and they both have like been insanely awesome and like borrowing me hipping me to old like les paul's all 50 stuff right hell i even have old red in 1953 right and th- those guitars, there's something about them with the time. You cannot fake the time of some guitars. And, you know, there's really great ones, there's good ones, and there's bad ones. Right. But the simple part is, is, you know, that's a, that's a case-to-case issue. When I'm playing this Epiphone and I'm rocking at a festival or a club or whatever, the amount that those old guitars give you over this is no one would ever, that's a personal thing. You know what I'm trying to say? Right. Yeah. Um, and like this Epiphone, when I plug it in and I get that tone out of it, quite simply, it inspires me to play. And like you said with the Sheraton, it's like, it doesn't matter what yeah. that is. Right. Exactly. It's all about if it inspires you to play. Now, if that's a 1959 standard that inspires you to play. Awesome. And you got it. Awesome. Yeah. If it's a, uh, 2021 epiphone june whatever as long as it speaks to you and you want to make music that's what it's all about and bro i'm totally with you sometimes i'll pick up a very very expensive guitar whether it's new or old and i'll go man i am not digging this like you couldn't pay me to take this with me seriously you know yeah and and then i'll pick up something uh case in point last year at the nam show uh they were showing off all of the epiphone original line and I picked up, I think it was like a $350 Les Paul Jr., like the low of the low, right? And I hit a lick on it, and I was like, oh, cool. I was like, this thing kind of feels funky and weird. Like, it inspired me to play. So I yeah. played it. And 
someone was like, man, why would you pick the cheapest guitar? And I was like, I didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind. Right. It's all about the way it was sounding, the way it felt and what I wanted to do with it. So I think that I'm totally with you, you know, and they're making them better and better every year, man. They keep yeah. getting better. I, I know uh, for myself uh, for a long time, I would, I, I, I was typically a, a Fender guy, you know, I've, strats were my main thing for a number of years because you know i'm from chicago i cut my teeth playing in all the blues clubs in chicago you know blues guys you know it's it strats the you know the instrument and uh and i got in the habit of buying the the cheapest mexican made uh strats you know back when they were like 299 and 399 and then just replacing all the hardware and pick right you know, and I could put another, you know, take a $300 guitar and put another $400 in it. And I'd have a guitar that would sound just as good, if not better than any custom made, you know, that was out. Yep. And those were my, those were my, and you don't feel bad if you beat it up or if somebody stole it or, you know what I mean? As opposed to that $10,000, $20,000 guitar. Well, for instance, like this guitar right here, Gold Glory, right? Um a lot of guys would say, oh, it's an Epiphone, oh, this, this, or this. Man, this is a solid piece of mahogany. This is a solid mahogany neck. It's an ebony fingerboard. It's the same scale length as your, as your Gibson Les Paul. Everything about this guitar. Yeah. Legit Grover tuners, a Seymour Duncan USA P90, CTS pots. And when I hit it, it sounds like a Les Paul. It sounds exactly as I'd want it to in my head, you know? Yeah. So... And that's the thing, like you said, like you could take, you could find <clears throat> a great used guitar. You could find something, uh, you know, secondhand that's already had a little, little bit done to it and a few scratches and dents. You could upgrade a few things on it. And of course it's going to sound killer. Yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of people that are, are really tone chasers and they're, and they're thinking about all this stuff, yeah. something they should be hip to man, because too many guys are only concerned with what it says on the headstock yeah. or where it was made. And the simple fact is it's all about who's playing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause yeah, I've, I've seen some amazing players pick up some pretty, you know, pick up some guitars that you, you know, they wouldn't play, you know, you wouldn't see them playing, but they can make them. That, that's because it's in your hands. You know, then that's like you, you know, with, with the way you pick it's, it's, you know, it's unusual, of course, you know, I mean, you're so aggressive on the strings in that it's like, I wonder how the hell does he even know what he's doing? I mean, how do you feel things around? Because sometimes, man, you're just, you're just banging it on, man. The hell out of it. Yeah. So my whole technique and everything about that, um, what's really funny about that is the first guy that I, I connected with on a level, you know, far beyond, oh, he's a Jimmy Page or this or that. It was Stevie. And actually, you're from Chicago. I'm from uh, East Troy, Wisconsin. So I'm right up the right up the road right. from you over by Alpine Valley. And yeah. Stevie was my first guy. I, like many players, I remember seeing him uh, on tape live at the Elma Combo. Yeah. And I saw the way that he was connected to the guitar and the way that he uh, was invested in every single thing he did. And I was like, I want to play like that. I want to, I want to play like that. So Stevie was my first launching pad to seeing that. Then I started getting into all the blues guys, of course, everyone from buddy guy and Otis rush and Hubert Sumlin and right. Albert and BB and all of them. But what ended up happening was I loved the blues and the traditional approach, but there was something inside me like a, like a lion that wanted to get out of a cage. <laughs> <laughs> so I started to get more aggressive because that's the way I felt. And that's the way I wanted to play. Yeah. And I remember when I was like, I don't know, 18, 19, 20, you would catch me, man. And I'd just be, you know, and then all of a sudden I started to get into like really heavy into like Leslie West and cream Clapton and Paul Kossoff. And I started to get more of that. And I said, that feels good. So it was this natural like ascension of like, Oh, this is awesome. Dip my toe in the water. Oh, this is great. And then it got to this point where I was like, almost like getting to the point where I wanted to be like, tear your head off blues uh, <laughs> masher. <laughs> I think you accomplished it, man. You know, yeah. I think you accomplished it, but your approach to the guitar is really unique, but your sound, 
is is really good you know thank you if you're into that that blues rock sound which i am i mean Mm -hmm. even through through this video although the quality isn't you know studio quality you can tell you know that that's a great fucking tone (laughs) i i think that tone it's like tone touch and your feel are everything you know like tone and feel to me in the blues and the rock it's like I always say when I hear a guitarist, I don't care if a guy can play a million notes or not, but when I hear a guitarist that knows how to bend and to add that that uh, execution with intent, that to me is scary because that's someone that is deeply connected to to what they're doing. And now I remember seeing like Ingve Malmsteen playing like, you know, when he was a kid and he had that and he had the speed and, you know, like it goes across all genres. But yeah. for me, the biggest thing was the tone and the, yeah. the attitude, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, and that execution. And uh, that's what I always approach with. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now is this your number one? When, when, when things open up and you go back on tours? Oh, for sure, man. This will be coming with me, of course. I think uh, I owe it to the world, you know, and I hope very soon to get back out there and tour. I'll have Gold Glory, of course. I'm going to have Old Red, my 53, because as well as as this guitar, what's a really cool thing is to be able to say, yeah, man, this one's my signature, but then also go back and go and say, man, this is an original. And this yeah. is, you know, this inspires me in a totally different way. So, of course, I'll have old, uh, Gold Glory on. Shoot, man, maybe I'll have Old Glory, Gold Glory, and Old Red. <laughs> three guitars there you go so you know, on top of the release of the new guitar you also released a new single yeah it's, uh it's, it's actually coming out soon it's coming out soon it's on spotify right now it's which one you me to the wolves yeah oh yeah of course i did yeah keep going sorry that's my bad <laughs> I'm, I'm releasing more music soon but yes let's talk about through me to the wolves <laughs> yeah well, it's it's a great song. I, I loved it because the the intro to the song is I don't know. It's it, to me it's I I would call that sound really swampy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's got a real kind of gritty, you know, uh, in the swamp kind of sound in that. It's great. Now, do you use a a univibe or a tremolo or? So check this out. So we went and recorded "Through Me to the Wolves." We recorded that in about two and a half hours. In between, uh, we were from the Nam show to going on a cruise, like one of those, uh, keep, yeah, the blues cruise, the Bonamassa cruise. So we had a day. We recorded that. We were in the studio. I had my new JJN combo. I had Old Red and a Klon. And the producer goes, "Man, you ever play through a Leslie?" And I was kind of like, my ears perked uh-huh. up, and I was like. What do you mean? And he goes, well, the studio has like a Leslie that's been modded to just be a cabinet. So I was like, dude, bring it out. So what was so cool is we had that swampy, you know, that. Yeah. And once that Leslie hit on there, it just started to put it underwater. And I was like, we got to leave it like that. It's so cool. Yeah, Yeah, it was. It was really cool in that i i liked it i i wasn't sure I, I i could tell it was a tremolo you know type effect in that but i would have never thought it was a leslie cabinet yeah That's man cool. and and uh being in a three-piece uh it's it's funny recording and it's funny to do all this stuff because you have ideas in your head and then like you get in the studio and someone throws the leslie variable and it's like wow i didn't even think about doing that of course let's do it so so for me i always approach recording as like uh it's a total feel thing and whatever feels good we roll with it. Yeah. Well, the, the song, the song's great. I, I loved your tone through the whole thing. Of course. I like the fact that sometimes I, when you, when you're doing your solos or your fills or whatever you want to call them at those times and that I like the subtlety. It, it's like you can take two or three notes and you can make those two or three notes sound really amazing because, because of the, the variations and the bends and the, the trills and you know all that kind of stuff and you did some of that in this song which i really like well thank you man uh it's so funny with with this particular song you know like when you listen to those fills and especially for the solo that solo i was in the live tracking room in the studio we had the amp set up and they forgot to shut the door between me and the amps because they wanted it to be cleaner because you know with a p90 it'll start buzzing and everything the assistant engineer forgot to shut the door and he was rolling it and I had my headphone on and I kept this one off so I could hear the amp. And when 
I launch into that solo. That solo was one take. It was the first take because all of a sudden I just hit this, this uh, harmonic and like the sustain was there. Yeah. I don't know about you as a player, but I know when I find those little sweet spots uh-huh. where like something sounds like real, real good, I'm like, oh, oh, I got to do that again. So like that solo was totally kind of like it. And it was, I want to say it was improvised. I'd played it live before, but it was very unscripted. And I just kept feeling where the, the, uh, the tone was and the feedback. So um, I was really proud of that. And, and I remember I, when I cut it, I was like, I think that will be good. And everyone was like, yeah, like, cause usually you want to do a hundred solo takes or you want to, you know, no, let's cut it together. Let's do this. And I was like, no, I think we should just use that one. So I was super proud of that. Yeah. That's it. It, it turned out great. Now you got more music. Uh, you got more singles that are coming out or you're releasing an album an EP. What are you doing? Well, this is the thing we were going to release a record, but in order to release that record, man, I got to be back out on the road to, to yeah. really pump it up. And, uh, I think everyone can agree that, uh, we're all chomping at the bit to get back out and to see shows, to play, to do everything. So actually I'm in the studio on February 1st to record the next single. Um, that will be coming out when this guitar hits the stores in April, there'll be a single, a video, a bunch of stuff. And in the meantime, of course, we're not stopping at the single. We'll be recording the whole record. I mean, since this uh, pandemic and everything, man, every day, whether it's on Zoom, doing songwriting sessions with people all over the place, or just here, I've been writing. So the record is ready to be recorded. We're just going to get in there and do it. Cool, man. That'd be great. I'm looking forward to it. You know, uh, you're in my playlist, so. Thanks, man. <laughs> you're in my playlist. I gotta that. ask you, now, this, is, this is kind of a, a kooky, you know, uh, uh, amateur question in that, but I'm going to ask it anyway in that. How does it feel to go from, you know, being a local Wisconsin guy, you know, to now having your own line of guitars, your own line of amps, you know, touring around the world with, you know, having Bonamassa in your Rolodex and stuff like that? That's got to feel really freaking good. Well, it does. Absolutely. And uh, I'm not one of those people that I want to say like, oh, I'm I'm so blessed or this or that. But what I think happened was, um, and if I can give anyone any inspiration, just don't ever give up and just keep pushing forward every day. Um, It feels really, really good. I remember when I was like 19, um, I was in Wisconsin and I was playing in like a local cover blues band, but I was, I had the fire. I had the passion. I was Uh, practicing every day in my parents' basement, literally from the time I was 15, you know, and I remember my mom came in one day and she just kind of looked at me and she goes, what are you going to do? You know, but the way she said it, (laughs) I was like, I, I didn't have an answer. I said, I just want to play music and I just want to make that my life. And I remember when I took the plunge to move to California and to do that and to go through, I was in Los Angeles for almost not nine years. Now I'm in Nashville, but, um, you know, I just took a lot of chances and I'm really, really grateful that I did. And it doesn't, uh, not a day goes by where I don't think about that. And also think about how lucky I am that I had a great support system and, uh, I had great people around me to help. And man, I, I just keep telling myself the harder I work, the luckier I get. So every day I just keep on pushing and I, I'm, I am kind of, my mind is blown though, because I never actually dreamed this far. Um, my big dream was like, of course, getting on stage and going on a tour, especially like going to Europe. And you know, that, that the dream kind of stopped at having a signature guitar. Like I remember when that happened, I was like, oh man, like this is everything to me. Yeah. So now I've, I've reinstalled like a whole bunch of new, new goals. Right. And uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm very lucky. I think about like last year, this day last year, I was on stage jamming with Slash, and that was like a huge, you know what I mean? So like, I'm just yeah. really lucky, man. Yeah. So uh, if you don't mind me asking, you know, when you were young and you were uh, just playing and just learning in that, what do you think are, are some things that you did during those early days that have helped you become the player that you are right now? Uh, I think, well, the first big one is trying to find my own voice, trying to find my own sound. Um, 
and I don't mean that in like a, a, a weird way. Like, it's not like one day I was like, I have to find my sound or whatever. It's yeah. more like I was really, really, I did all the phases. Like I found my guitar heroes. I learned their things note for note. I really emulated and like I ate, slept and breathed all of that music for so long. But what ended up happening was, you know, like I was, I, I write with my left hand. So originally I was going to play lefty, but my guitar teacher told me, he's like, man, you got to flip it. He goes, yeah. you'll never find good guitars if you're a lefty, you know? Yeah. And I'm so glad I did, but I never got along with a guitar pick. So in my head, I always, even when I was playing with one, I was like, this is not what I want to do. So not using a guitar pick like that automatically put me in a different situation. I kind of had to figure out how to play things a little differently and had a different tone. So I remember people used to tell me, man, if you're going to be a real guitar player, as simple as you got to use a guitar pick. And I often thought to myself, no, but this is the way I want, I want to play. So I think some of the things that I really believe helped me in the long run was just kind of sticking to my guns and playing what I loved. Um, I never took, and I, and this is real. I never took music or guitar as like a competition. Like, Oh man, that guy, that kid's way better than me. Like, well, how am I going to do this? I often thought to myself, I'm like, wow. Like I would look at other players and I'd be like, what, what things from them, not what things can I steal, but it's like, what can I gain from, you know, really, instead of looking at this guy as like a, enemy it's like what can i gain from potentially learning something you know so i i often and always would keep my eyes and ears open you know even even it to guys that were like shred guy whatever yeah i just never put myself in a box and i think that that really helped in the long run because you know now when we tour we'll tour with everyone from guys like walter trout and i'll jam with buddy guy and do the blues thing but then we'll go on a world tour with zach wilde and black label society and right. you know like what i play and the music i love is so wide you know this style it can be adapted in so many different ways and i think really not limiting yourself and yeah. just kind of trying to be a sponge to everything that really helped me out you know and always always have fun because yeah. if i wasn't having fun i i used to and I still practice all the time. I play all day. But I remember those years where I was like, I locked myself in the basement. And, and some people would say, man, you know, why'd you do that? And it was like, when I was doing it, I wasn't even thinking I was doing something weird or, you know, yeah. I was having the time of my life, you know, unearthing this amazing guitar stuff. Yeah. So those, I think, are the things that really helped me out. And above all, even in the times where it's like, man, there's two people at our show no one cares. We have no money. It's like, I just didn't give up. And I just said, you know, it's going to get better. And if I just keep going, it'll get better. That's some good advice. So, you know, and, and you have something else that, that comes across when you talk that I think is, is really, um, you know, really important. And that is that you have passion. You know, you can tell that you really love what you're doing. You can tell that you really love playing the guitar and making music. And, you know, that's half the battle because some, some people, you know, they have ulterior motives. They like it, but it, you know, it's might be about the money or might be about the, the fame or the position or, you know, or whatever. And uh, it seems like, you know, and I've talked to, believe me, I've talked to, you know, some pretty damn good guitar players over the, the years and that. And it's like everybody that's in your position is just like that. They're equally as passionate today about the guitar as they've ever been in their, in their life. And that's something that always comes across, you know, and. You yeah. Know. I, I just couldn't see it any other way. And um, you know, I will run across guys that, are what you just described. You know, they're they're coming at it from a different angle. And you can always tell, no matter what style, what genre or whatever, you can always tell when someone's truly putting their heart and soul into it and they love what they're doing. There's something deeper that, you know, comes across. And I don't even think you need to play guitar to understand that. It's like the music and the players we love. You can hear like a passion and you can hear something. It's not just notes. It's not just, you know, talent. It's a passion. And yeah. that's what always wins yeah yeah that's what's going to drive your career for a lifetime right there because people are drawn into that when they see you play that just comes across and i think that's one of the things 
you know, apart from the talent and the, the, the sound and the songs and stuff, that's something that draws them in. You know what I mean? Yep. The first mm -hmm. time I saw you play, I can't remember where it was, but I remember the first time I saw you play, I was like, who the hell is this guy? You know what <laughs> I mean? It's like, it's like I, I need to know who this guy is because, you know, just because you could just, that passion just like, I can tell this guy's into it. <laughs> well, that's my goal, man, for moving on, because as you know, um, it's you got to keep it alive and you got to keep what you love alive. So so for me, that's my biggest goal, like moving forward is, um, you know, it's not I, I don't have a goal where it's like I want to be the the biggest. It's not that it's I want to keep the music I love alive yeah. and to, to keep pushing it forward, because I think that's what all of our heroes that have come and gone would have wanted, you know, just keep it keep playing and just keep it the vibe right and keep the passion yeah yeah that's great man so when does the guitar actually come out so i am really like the big worldwide release is on the 26th of january here and the guitar will actually be in stores the second week of april oh, um it's always funny to me though because people are going man i want that guitar i want that guitar there should be a buy it now button the day it's released you know what i mean but right. uh people people are gonna have to wait just a little longer yeah oh well, i saw somewhere i don't know where it was but maybe it was on twitter i saw a, a photo of the two guitars yeah together it was kind of you know i don't everybody knew i knew that it was coming because you know of course i've been talking to your to your people in that and you know we scheduled the release of this this interview the day after i think of the release yeah. of the guitar and that but I saw the picture and I was like, yeah, okay. That Man, cool. do you know how hard it is to, I've had this guitar in my possession. Oh, since May, <laughs> Yeah. you know, and, and they sent me the first one, this one. And I played it and I was like, yeah, perfect. Awesome. You know, um, I've had it since May and I've had to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I sit, I sit there and I'm like, are you serious? You know what I mean? So yeah. now that it's finally coming out, it's like Christmas for me. It's like, everybody look, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a hot item. I think people are going to, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know what, you know, sales were like for the last guitar and that, but I know a lot of people that got them. Right. And I haven't heard anybody say anything negative about them. No, the one, yeah, the one thing that I, it seemed like people were, uh, there was a, the blues power play and some people were like, man, if it didn't have that, I would be all about it. And then on this one, I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to put it on the trust rod cover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so funny. yeah. Like I say, you know, you, you've, you've tempted me, you know, I'm, uh -oh. <laughs> I'm probably, I'm probably going to have to get this one. You know, I was going to get the last one because I'm a huge P90 fan. Yeah. So, and that and so i can imagine the coolest thing i always say about this guitar man is it doesn't matter who i am none of that matters when you see this guitar and i don't care if you play rock country uh blues punk right you could go man i could make a statement with that thing like i could play that and i could get some cool tones right. and uh, i think that's the most important thing yeah well you, you know it's good because ricky medlock you know uh has one you know oh, yeah yeah, and when he did his rig rundown with Premier Guitar, he showed it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we were on tour with Skinner, and Ricky saw mine, my original, my original Gibson, and he was all about it, man. He loved it, right? Yeah. And uh, that's doing Zoom at home, you have dogs running around. <laughs> that's cool. I got three upstairs. There it is. And uh, he ended up saying to me, man, I want that guitar. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry, buddy, it's not for sale. And uh, he ended up just going to Gibson and having them make him one because he loved it so much and to me that was so cool like that was so cool the fact that ricky medlock one of my biggest heroes from obviously the blackfoot stuff but with skinner and everything yeah. is jamming in old glory you're kidding yeah. right? right so it just really meant a lot and i'm i'm so pumped that uh that that happened it's so cool yeah i'm actually talking to ricky tomorrow and uh it's going to be hard to not say something. I'm not going to say nothing about this guitar to him, but <laughs> well, know. please give him my love. Please tell him I say, Hey, I will, but I'm going to let him know there's something coming out. That he's going to have to have <laughs> tell him there's, there's going to be another one for the, for the old, uh, uh, dark horse collection. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's really good. I'll tell you what, man, I really appreciate your time. 
Of course. I wish yeah. you I wish you all the success in the world. And you're at the Dallas International Festival this year, right? Yeah. Uh hopefully we're gonna be there. I mean, as long as they're putting it on, I'm gonna be there jamming, man. You know, that was that was going back to um, I think it was October. It was supposed to originally happen or May and then October. Right. But yes, I'm gonna be there. As long as it's put on, I can't wait, man. I'll I'll be like a kid in a candy store. Yeah, I, I know. I know. As I just talked to Jimmy Wallace yesterday, I know as of right now it's still on. Great, but uh, they're they're doing their preparations for it, man. I just remember your name being on the roster, and that. yeah, so Jimmy I, is. Go ahead. He's awesome. Jimmy's awesome. Yeah, yeah, he's a nice guy. I plan on coming, so hopefully, maybe then I get an opportunity to meet you. I would love that, man. And thank you so much for your time. All right. So there you go. Jared James Nichols right here on Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. I tell you what, he is such a nice guy. Really good player. Love his music and that. Make sure you're checking him out at Jared James Nichols on Facebook. I think that's his main spot, man. He likes to hang out at Instagram and Twitter as well. So make sure you're following him. And check out that new guitar. I think it comes available for sale in April. So it's definitely something if you're a player you want to check out. Now, next week, my guest is going to be a jazz legend, a great. I mean, uh, you know what? He's not only a great musician, but he's somebody in the industry that really likes to invest his time into young players, into new players. And uh, I have always found that incredibly fascinating. He's put out 45 albums, 45. So that just gives you an idea how long he's been around. And so my guest next week is going to be the amazing, the legendary Lee Rittenauer is going to be here. So make sure you're tuning in. Hey, do me a favor. Make sure you're following me on all points of social media at uh, Jimmy Warren Official and at GuitarTalkOfficial.com. And subscribe to our new YouTube channel, Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. A lot of these videos or a lot of these interviews are going to be done on video now going forward. So you'll be able to see some of them. I'm going to try to give you a heads up on that, you know, until uh, everybody gets accustomed to everything. And then also, too, you know, you can support us on a monthly basis. Uh, whether it's through Patreon or directly through our website. Uh, if you do it through Patreon, there's some really cool perks that come along with it, and I think that you're really going to enjoy. So, uh, you know, until next week, until we meet again with uh, Lee Rittenauer, uh, I appreciate everybody tuning in. I want to thank Jared James Nichols for giving us his time. It was, it was really good. It was a great show. And so uh, thank you. And I will see you guys all next time around.